begins this morning, and we're going to try to finish out what we started last Sunday morning about whether or not it's important what we think, whether or not it's important what we think. And as we turn to Philippians, we're going to be in chapter 4, and our text for today is one verse, chapter 8, and we'll go back over that here in just a minute. But I wanted to just recap a little bit from last week that we talked about that we all live in the world between our ears. We all live in the world between our ears. Some of us may think that's a scary thing to think about. We may not, we may not be all that confident about what lies between our ears. Uh, but just be confident of this. God made you the way he made you, and you're, you're just the way you're supposed to be. Amen? You look the way you're supposed to. You are the way you're supposed to be. He knew exactly how you were going to be. And uh, when I think about me, I think he, and he chooses to love me anyway. And again, that's just an amazing, amazing thing. But we do, we live in that world between our ears and the quality of our life will depend on our, the process, processes that take place between our ears. We talked about how we can sit in the same service together and we can all get something different. Our minds are going in different directions, but we're hearing the same message, but God will sometimes drop something specific for you in your heart, depending on what we're talking about, because the Holy Spirit knows you better than anybody, and the Holy Spirit knows what part of what we're talking about you need for that particular morning or in that particular moment. And that's good to know. It's good to know that He's not sitting there inside of you listening to what we're talking about and going, eeny, meeny, miny, mo." He's not doing that. <laughs> he knows what you need. He already knows what you need. So it makes sense for us uh, to study the Bible. It makes sense for us to come together and worship the Lord on a Sunday morning like this because the Bible has a whole lot to say about what you think. Um, it has a whole lot to say about what we should think and what we shouldn't think. And, you know, it, it, it is very good to have that knowledge and that information because sometimes when I don't pay attention to what I'm thinking or if I'm not taking charge of my thought life, my mind can go in all different directions. And some of those directions are not good, but the Bible helps with that. And whatever we set our mind on, Whatever we set our thinking on will be reflected in the life that we live. Um, I, like what, I like what Sammy said in our men's meeting today, and I, I want to quote him, and I hope I say this right. Um, heavenly thinking leads to earthly actions. So we want to have that heavenly thinking to help us with our earthly actions. Romans tells us, like we talked about last week, if we live according to the flesh, we, if we set our mind on the things of the flesh, we're going to live according to the flesh. But if we set our mind on the things of the Spirit, then that's how we're going to live. And there's our, our first instruction. That's the thing we want to set our mind on. We want to set our mind on things of God. We want to set our mind on what the Word of God says we should set our mind on. And, and because there's so much truth in that, what you think about in here, what you allow uh, your mind to, to stay on and think on and meditate on will show itself in your life and in your actions. And so the Bible is very clear of the things that we need to think about 
and clear about the things that we don't need to think about. So let's look at our text, Philippians 4, 8. Let's read that again this morning, and then we'll jump right in. It says, finally, brethren, and we talked about how this is clearly being spoken to Christians because, because a lost person this will make no sense to. Um, they don't have the capacity. I think sometimes we, we walk around in this world and we think, why are these lost people acting like this? <laughs> they don't know any better. They haven't been changed. They haven't been renewed. And they have to understand, and they have to understand their need for Christ, and they have to see that change and that love in you for, for that to happen. Uh, but they're going to live the way that they feel. They're going to act the way that they're thinking, and they're not thinking on godly things because they don't know who God is. And so this instruction is clearly for you and me as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest or noble, uh, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think or meditate on these things. Now, before you sit down and, and think about, okay, i got to do that, 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 and that, I don't want you to think that this is an exhaustive list of the things that we're supposed to think about or how we're supposed to think. He's giving us a general way of thinking, a general way of existing and living and thinking. And he tells us to meditate on these things because he, un he knows with the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we have the ability to either embrace something, we can embrace a thought, or we can reject a thought. And the, the problem is when the enemy offers something to us and we don't strike it down right away, if we embrace it, think about it, cherish it even, it's a bad road for you and me to go down. But if we choose to reject it and we know that's not of God, this is not of God, this is, of, this is of the enemy. I reject it right now. I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. So you have the power, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to say no or yes to things. So you have the ability to choose what you think about. Now, what, do you, what, about, what about dreams? Uh, you know, I just thought about this uh, the other day. What about dreams? Because are you consciously aware of what you're thinking when you're dreaming. And I believe that through the night as we're sleeping and our, and, and our uh, faculties are resting, that I believe the enemy can insert ideas and thoughts into your head. And so what you do when you wake up, and, and sometimes dreams, my dreams are gone the minute I wake up. I don't even know what I've been thinking. Uh, but sometimes, you know, I have a dream and, and it's, it needs to be rejected. Have you ever had a revenge dream? You know what I'm talking about? Where you got back at somebody and it was really good. And, and if, you, if I embrace that, and I'm thinking about that all day, then I'm thinking, I'm probably thinking, how can I make this dream come true? And you know, it's just not, it's not, we're, it's not the way we need to go. We need to reject it. 
because uh, you know it's not of God, because God is not, he's not about revenge. He's about justice, but he's not about revenge. And so he gives us this instruction. He gives us these things, and, and he, he does that because he knows we need that help, and we need that encouragement. And he's trying to tell us that we need to guard our minds, uh, putting on the helmet of salvation, so to speak. We need to guard our minds with the truth of the Word of God and by disciplining our thought life. Disciplining our thought life. And any time that something comes into our head that, uh, that we know is not of God, then we need, we need to reject it and we need to use those words that we've heard before, get thee behind me, Satan. This is not of God, and I reject what you're trying to tell me. And instead, I choose to think on good things. Let me replace, as a matter of fact, let me replace what you're putting in my head with the Word of God. Because that's the example that Jesus gave us when he was tempted in the wilderness. Every time Satan came up against him and tried to tempt him, he used the Word of God. It's a two-edged sword. It's powerful. And that's exactly what you and I need to do as well. So, as we jump into this again, what dominates your thought life? If you could do a pie chart of your, of your thinking patterns, what would the biggest piece look like? What do you spend most of your time thinking about? Is it how to, how to make more money? Is it how to, how to uh, lose weight, look better, feel better? Um, is it how to more effectively witness to your friends at work because you feel like you're not doing a good job? Is it concentrating on all your failures? Is it thinking about, you know, all the wrongs that have been done to you and, and how you can make it right? Now, what, what dominates your thinking? Now, on Sunday mornings, it may be dominated by God and the things of God, and that's great. But what happens to you and me when we walk out these doors and we're inundated with this world and everything that it wants us to think about? What dominates your thinking on Monday morning? What dominates your thinking on Friday morning? What dominates your thinking on Saturday? You know, what, what's going on between your ears? And don't say not a whole lot because I reject that. Because everybody here uh, does, a lot, does a lot of thinking. So he helps us. Paul helps us. And he says, here's what you need to think about. First thing he said, you need to think about things that are true. And that makes total sense because Satan is the father of lies. And all he wants to do is feed you lies. So you don't need to concentrate on things that aren't true. You need to concentrate on those things that are true. And even if it's a half-truth, you don't even want to concentrate on that. If it's false, if it's negative, you just need to reject it immediately. And what's especially damaging are lies about God that the enemy tries to give you. God is disappointed in you. God is disgusted with you. God doesn't love you anymore. God would never forgive that. Is God really a loving God if your loved ones are sick or if, you're, if your friend has died? Is God really a just God? These are lies that the enemy will throw at you. And if you take those things and if you meditate on those things, we're headed down the wrong road. That's trouble for us. We need to reject those lies and think on things that are true. And then the next thing that he talks about is thinking about things that are honest and things that are noble. 
what are, what, what are good things to do? You know, I, I gave the illustration. It's a good, noble thing to offer to uh, help a little old lady across the street. That's noble, but it's not noble to realize how frail she is and think about how you could grab a purse and run off and, and she'd never be able to catch up with you. So you think, what, what is a noble thing for us to do in a situation? What's the honest thing for us to do? And then we got into, uh, not, not too much, but we talked about the third thing, the third adjective that he gives us about to think about. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are just. Again, we think about, is this the right thing for me to do in this situation? And what especially comes to mind here to me are the injustices that have been done to me by other people. Things that were not fair, that should not have been done. They treated me unfairly. They said something that wasn't true or, or wasn't right. Do I hold on to those? Do I let those dominate my thinking? Is that what I'm thinking about? You know, when we have conversations with people, if have you ever noticed how when you're talking to somebody and it feels like there's no where else for the conversation to go, but you're still kind of stuck together. Sometimes you'll start thinking about or talking about things that you think aren't fair or aren't right. I've done this before. You know, you know, see so-and-so over there, boy, I'm not sure I like them all that great because let me tell you what they did to me one time. And, and that, if that stuff dominates your thinking, it's going to come up. And the, the bitterness is going to be obvious to other people, but bitterness is contagious, and if you start talking about those injustices that have been done to you, then you're going to give that person an opportunity to tell you about the things that have been done to them. And we've got to give these things to God. We've got to be willing to forgive, even if it's one-sided. We've got to be willing to forgive and hand it over to God. Just as you reject the things that aren't just and aren't honest, you hand over the injustices to God and you reject thinking about them and meditating on them. But there is something in us that craves justice. And when we're able to think about getting back, it, it almost feels right and we almost feel justified. But Venge he is a God of justice. He will take care of things. He will make sure all wrongs will be righted. And that's his responsibility. Let him take care of that. Release that from yourself. Don't, if it's, it's not just to think about all the injustices, all the wrongs that have been done to you. And instead, think about how good God has been to you. When, when Satan offers to you, they've been so bad to you. Counter that with, oh, but God has been so good to me. And when you think about the good that God has done, and even think about the good that other people have done in your life, it's going to make you a more thankful person. It's going to make you more thankful. It's going to, believe it or not, it'll, it'll make you sweeter. It'll sweeten your nature. And it'll bring peace. And, and that's what God wants for you. And, and that's what he wants for me. Psalm 103 tells us to count our blessings. It doesn't tell us to count all of our negative experiences. It doesn't tell us to count all of our troubles. It doesn't tell us to count all of our anxieties. All of these things, it says, are to be dealt with with prayer. Do not focus your meditation on the ugly, unfair things. 
And you know, secular psychology, <clears throat> a lot of psychologists, that's what they focus on. They want to bring up all the bad. They want to bring up all the negative. And they want us to dwell on those things. But God wants us to forgive and move on. So, we have to decide, am I going to listen to God or am I going to listen to the world? And we will come up with that. We'll have to make that decision every day, people. Every single day. We're going to have to make that decision. God or the world? And what it really boils down to is God or Satan. Who am I going to believe? Who am I going to accept? Who am I going to listen to? Whose ideas am I going to reject? And whose ideas am I going to accept? And so, think about things that are just. Think about what is just. And then he comes up with the fourth adjective. He says, whatever things are pure. Whatever things are pure. And this stands in contrast to things that are defiled or unclean. Do not think on defiled things. Do not think on unclean things, impure things, unholy things. Give us an example, will you? I'll give you an example in Scripture from Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. Whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, not just the physical act is sin. Lusting and thinking about it and cherishing those thoughts, that is sin as well. The initial thought that Satan puts into your head, that's not sin. You reject that and you're good to go. But if you let it hang around a little bit and you begin to spend time thinking about it, that's when we get into trouble. You know, David lusted after Bathsheba before he acted on that lust. We know that story. He lusted after her before he acted on that. But in contrast, you've got Joseph, who was able to resist the advances of Potiphar's wife because he kept his heart pure. Do you see the difference? David could have done the same thing. Could have, could have chosen a different path if he had rejected the thought. So think on that which is pure. Not unclean, not unholy, unholy, but what is pure. And then he gives us this, this additional thing to think about. Whatever things are lovely. Whatever things are lovely. And this is, what this is referring to are things that, are, that have moral beauty and spiritual beauty. And David, you know, we just talked about something David did wrong. Well, here's something he did right. This is what David had to say in the Psalms. He said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's from Psalm 27.4. To behold the beauty of the Lord. You know, there, there is, we see beauty in people, don't we? We see people who have beauty in their lives, who, who have a meek and quiet spirit. Meek, by the way, is not wimpy and weak. Meek is humble and teachable. So people who are meek and who are, have a quiet spirit, 
people who speak well of others. Have you ever talked to that person that when you were down in other people, they were always trying to find something good to say about them? Isn't that what God would rather we do? To see the good? To find the good? Don't focus on the negative. They, they find, and speak, find good things and speak well of other people. They encourage you in the Lord. People who encourage you in the Lord. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And then you can go just, just in creation itself and think on the beauty of God's creation. And we've all probably done that. You know, the, the, a beautiful sunset, uh, a song that a bird is singing outside your window, um, a, and a sunrise, the ocean, the mountains, the grandeur of the mountains. We, we gaze on the creation that God has made, and we see the beauty of it. And that's a good thing to think about. I've heard people say this, and I really like this. Um, look at that sunrise. God did that just for me. Or, you know, look at what a beautiful day this has been. God knew I needed that. He did that just for me. There's nothing wrong with thinking that. You're thinking about things that are beautiful, things that are lovely. Um, to take it a step further, you remember when Gabriel came and talked to Mary and told Mary something really great was going to happen in her life. You remember what that was? So Jesus, Jesus. And you know what Mary did? She pondered the things that the Lord told her. She thought about these things, these lovely things, the lovely things that the Lord has told us in His Word, the promises that He has made to us. These are the things we ponder. We pondered these things this morning as we sang about heaven, uh, about the trumpet sounding, about how all the earth will be singing His praises. And, and He's coming back. We those are lovely things for us to think about. And not just what's coming, but what God has already done, the, the good things that God has done in your life. Ponder those things and think about those things. And then the last thing he tells us, the last adjective that he uses, is whatever things are of a good report. And basically what that means is if it's, if it's kind, if it's gracious, if it's commendable, um, if it was spoken in a kindly spirit with goodwill towards others, then think on those things. Think on those things. Oh, how we like to, to, to consider the, the, the spit and vinegar and the wicked things that come out of people's mouths and how we like to contemplate those things uh, instead of good things. I think God allows you to see certain things and people, so you can pray for them. Uh, he allows us to hear the wicked things that people say, so we can pray for them. Uh, and it gives us specifically what to pray for. Lord, their mouth is hurting their testimony. Lord, their words are, are cutting deep into other people. Help them to see what they're doing, and help them to Think on things that are good and think on things that are lovely. And then we can pray the scriptures for other people. But sometimes we need to pray them for ourselves because we're saying those things. We're thinking those things. And we need to be reminded this is not how God wants me to think. This is not how God wants me to live. 
We have come to a point in our existence, I think, where sometimes we just feel, well, I can't help the way I act. I can't help the way I am. Uh, this is how it is. I'm 50, 60, 70 years old. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. And if that were the case, then I think that the Bible would be 90% shorter and have 90% less in it than it does. Because the Bible tells us exactly what to do, exactly how to live. And we need that. And that's what Paul was trying to help us with. And so he gives us these adjectives. He gives us these adjectives. And he says that, you know, stay away from things that are false. Stay away from things that are unjust, impure. Do not think on these things. Anything that is devoid of beauty, of spiritual beauty, do not think on these things. And don't entertain slander and don't entertain gossip. Don't entertain thoughts about other people and their reputation and how to tear them down. Don't think on these things. Don't gossip. You know, that's, a, that's another hard one for, I don't know, for us especially, it seems. Uh, anything that is a bad report on someone. Don't think on these things. And so, again, we don't have an exhaustive list here of things not to think about. But he has given us really just a general way of thinking and trying to tell us don't pollute your mind and don't pollute your thinking with all these things. And instead, he gives us the true and the noble and the honest and the just and the lovely and the things of good report. And then he adds later, he says, if there's any virtue or if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So what, what is a virtue? What's he talking about there with virtue? Virtue is a quality that God wants worked into my character. Virtue is a quality that God wants worked into your character as well. It speaks of moral excellence. It doesn't speak of perfection, but it speaks of when when I have an opportunity to do good or bad, I'm going to try to do good. When I have an opportunity to think uh, evil or good, I'm going to think good. I want to be virtuous. Um, Proverbs uses that. It says, who can find a virtuous woman? Who can find a good woman? Who can find a woman that is letting the Lord lead her in her life? Who can, you know, that virtue is something that needs to be a part of my character and a part of yours as well. And then he says, whatever is praiseworthy, and that just means anything that's worthy of praise or anything that God deems praiseworthy. And it clarifies the kind of things that I should be thinking about. Because I need that help. Because left on my own, my mind is going to go places that it shouldn't go. And so, to, to give this a practical application, this text is supposed to inform me on the things that I'm supposed to be allowing into my mind and into my eye gate and my ear gate. You know, what am I watching? What am I reading? What am I listening to? You know, anything that is not just or praiseworthy or lovely, not worth listening to. Anything that isn't of good report, not worth watching. So what are we filling ourselves with? What are we binge watching? What's on our playlists? We've got to be very careful. And I'm going to tell you what. I did not like hearing this message when I was a teenager or a young person 
Because I felt like, you know, I'm strong enough to not allow these lyrics to become a part of my thinking or part of my vocabulary. I'm not really listening to the words anyway. I just like the beat. I said that. That might not be the terminology that people use in this day and time. But it's just, oh, it's just a song. It's just a show. It's just a movie. It's just a book. That's all it is. And we're so quick to run to these things and, and justify, uh, it's really not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Okay, well, how much time have you spent reading the Word of God? And there's no comparison. There's no comparison. Well, I haven't even, uh, I haven't even picked my Bible up this week. But I did binge watch this show, and I did this, and I listened to that. And come on, come on, William. We can't spend all our time in the Word of God. We can't spend all our time thinking about God. But he has spent all of his time thinking about you and me. Is he not worthy of making a better choice? Is he not worthy of rejecting the lies and accepting his truth. Is he not worthy of that? And I'm asking myself. I'm asking myself this question. I have to ask myself any question that I ask you. And it's okay to make a good choice. But it's better to make a, the best choice. So what are we allowing into our lives? What are, we, what are we letting our kids talk us into? What are we talking ourselves into? You know, are we letting perverted things uh, perverse things into our eyes and, and into our ears. Scripture says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. Because here's the process. If you sow a thought, you're going to reap an action. If you sow an action, you're going to reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you're going to reap a character. And if you sow a character, you're going to reap a destiny. No, if you never take the first drink, you never become an alcoholic. If you never take the first hit, you never become a drug addict. If you never watch the first uh, pornographic image or video or movie or whatever, it never becomes a problem for you. So we reject these things because it's good to reject that which is not of God. And what this thing that I just shared with you tells us is that our character is going to take on the color of whatever we're thinking about. And, and hear me now, if you listen or watch or read that which is not true and just and honorable and lovely and of good report then you can guarantee that the devil is going to bring it back up to your thinking and you're going, to, you're going to think about it some more and you're going to, I hate to use the word, but you're going to cherish it because you're not rejecting it. And so we've got to be very, very careful to stay away from the filthy and the unclean and the unkind and reject those things. We have to do that because we, we're here for a purpose and that is to tell other people about Jesus and how much he loves them. Now, if you have been contemplating things that are not on this list and your thinking is clouded with these things, 
you're going to have an opportunity maybe to share Christ with somebody, but you're going to be so, you're going to feel so dirty and so uh, inappropriate and unready that you're probably not going to do what you would have done if you would have been thinking about the good things. Does that make sense? If you've been contemplating something that you know you shouldn't have, and then a friend comes up and says, you know what, I've been thinking, maybe there's something to this prayer thing. Maybe there's something to, to this Jesus thing. And you're going to be like, uh, uh, yeah, there is. Because you're not ready and you're not prepared because you haven't been thinking on the good and the just and the lovely things. It can't do anything but hurt us if we allow these things into our lives. And it's contrary to who we are. That's not who you are. You remember how Jesus spoke woe to the Pharisees um, in Matthew 23? He said, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and ex excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres or tombs, which indeed appear beautiful on the outside, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Full of hypocrisy and iniquity. So if what is going on on the inside is contrary to what is being presented on the outside, it just messes everything up. You know, that's, that's like when the Christian who has spent so much time trying to invite people to church and, and tell them how important God's a relationship with God is, that's what it's like when that, one, when that person tells that dirty joke. It, it, something's not right. It's, it's not the way it's supposed to be. And that's what the enemy wants to do, trip us up in that way. Because he does not want you to be effective. He wants, he wants you to tear down any good that has been done by that one bad joke. And so it makes a difference what you and I think about. And that's what he was trying to get us to see. And that's why those words even appear in Scripture. So let me give you some, some practical instruction before we leave. Because this affects all of us. Does it really matter what we think? Does it really matter what we spend our time allowing, or spend our time processing in here? It absolutely does. It absolutely does. So what we have to do is we have to guard what, again, what we see. We have to guard what we listen to. And if it's filthy and unclean and unkind, then we need to stay away from it. And that's our first line of defense. Turn it off. Send it back. Tear it up. Throw it away. Reject it. Don't let it in, the ear or the eye. Secondly, when something that's not kind or when something unkind or unclean flashes in our minds, then we have to cast it down immediately. We're going to do one of two things. We're going to embrace it or we're going to reject it. And we have to cast it down according to what Paul says because that's how Satan attacks us. He attacks us with thoughts. And we have the right and we have the ability to reject it. You have the right and you have the ability to reject what the enemy offers to you. We need to counter the lies, counter the lies that we're being told with the truth of the Word of God. And for us to be able to do that, we have to know Scripture. We've got to study the Word of God, and we've got to be able to come back and say, 
Well, Satan, you may be offering that to me, but here's what the Word of God says. And this is what I'm going to do. And we have to take charge of our thoughts, take charge of our thinking, uh, discipline our thinking, and think on those things that are true and noble and just and lovely. I like what Psalm 119 is teaching us. Uh, we studied verses 15 through 16 several weeks ago. And it has a lot to say on the subject of what we meditate on, what we think about. It says, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And, and church, that has a cleansing effect on our thinking. And when we reject that which is not good and we accept that which is good and we meditate on what God says. You know, we spend a lot of time saying, I wish I knew what God wanted me to do with my life. But we don't spend any time reading God's Word or meditating on what His Word says about life. But if we did, we would know more what it is that God wants us to do. And we would know what choices to make in different situations. Also in verse 99, he talks about how meditating on the Word of God gives you wisdom. Um, and, he, and he told Timothy, he told Timothy to give himself to reading the Word of God. He said, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. Entire, give yourself entirely to God. Does that sound familiar? All to Jesus. I surrender all to Him. I freely give. That's what He's calling us to do. And in these last days, it is so much more important for us to do that. I'm going to finish up with this. Put good thoughts into action. Uh, heavenly thoughts lead to earthly actions. In Philippians 4, chapter 9, it says, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. So, studying, reading, meditating, it's all in preparation for doing. Which, which also solidifies the concept of, Whatever you think about is what you're going to do. So if we're thinking about unjust, unlovely, things of bad report, dishonest things, that will show in our lives and the way we treat other people. But he says here, and I'll finish with this, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Bow your heads, if you will, and let's all stand.